I want to get to some of your calls on uh, deal breakers for dating people. We'll get to those coming up next segment. I promise you. I promise you. We had some people jump in at the very end of that segment, so we had to get out. But we'll get to you next. Right now, though, an hour later than usual, a Jonathan, an overtime with Jonathan Peterlin staple. We bring you the fan focus. All righty, we go to the morning show. Ken and Lima talking about, after Deshaun, who's the most important piece of the offense? Player on the Browns offense, and am I out of my gourd for saying Jedrick Wills? I think, it's Wills. Je- I think it's Jedrick Wills. And yes, damn it, I know. You just ruined the whole thing. I know that I had said that at that time, the kicker is the most in- second most important player, it seems, on the team. But I... You, and you tried to call me out on it during before the show today. You go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Because I didn't tell Tone I was picking an offensive lineman. I just said it was somebody else, and, of course, Tone guessed it because I'm so easy to read. I'd be a terrible poker player, apparently. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get to the Jedrick Wilson here in a second. But I think that the kicker's the second most important because we talked about him like crazy, but I consider him special teams. I, I'm looking at the offense moving down the field. And I think Jedrick Wills is the second most important player on this damn offense because Deshaun Watson is a a quarterback that's supposed to create weapons. Now, you have Amari Cooper, who's great. You have Elijah Moore, who's really, really good. Seems to be really, really good, and we hope he's great. And you have Nick Chubb, who who is an all-timer. And the way Deshaun plays, he kind of runs himself out of trouble and runs himself into trouble. It's been one of the defining characteristics of him and we haven't really heard the coaches talk much about their plan of attack there. I guess we're just going to see it once the season starts. But he has been a player. If there's one weakness of Deshaun Watson his entire career, even when things were going great, was that he runs himself into trouble. It's tougher offensive lines to know where he's going to be. And he gets sacked more than anybody in the NFL. And that was behind a bad offensive line, certainly. But even some of the better offensive lines still got sacked a ton. I can't. I, I don't really push back too much on Ken Pick and Jedrick Wills the second most important person. And to Lima's point, like I said this about the the game over the weekend, Deshaun held the ball a lot longer than I expected, or may not not that I expected, but that he he sort of showed that that's part of his game. He sometimes does run himself into sacks, uh, and it's going to be a feeling out process with this offensive line this year. And if that's your one weak spot on the offensive line, and it's the quarterback's blind side, like. Yeah, that's definitely a concern because that is your insurance package for the quarterback that you're paying $230 million to and you traded three first-round draft picks for. Now, I given what we've heard about Elijah Moore and even Daryl Ryder, our Browns beat reporter who joined us earlier on the show, I got to kind of feel like he's the most important, second most important piece. Even above Nick Chubb, who I know everybody loves and I love. He's my favorite player on the Browns. But we know this offense is running through Deshaun. He's even said as much in preseason game interviews that he's done with Aditi Kinkabwala. So, knowing that, knowing that's going to be about Deshaun's connection with those guys and the weapons that he has around him, I kind of lean Elijah Moore as the second most important piece. But Jedrick Wills, reasonable answer in, uh, in my purview. All right, we go to the afternoon show. JP, normally the host of this show... It was afternoon drive with Jonathan Peterlin, and he talked about rooting for history in baseball over your actual team. If the Guardians are being no hit, 
I'm rooting for the team to go ahead and finish off the no-hitter. Well, that's where you got to separate it, though, Jonathan. you got to separate media member versus fandom. Because no fan in the right mind is going to root against their team. Like, you don't want to see history made against your team. You don't want to see your team be humiliated. I don't think it's humiliating. It is because, like, you're going to see that all across Sports Center that night of have your I, team constantly being, you're the team that was no hit. Now, have Nobody I gotten, have I gotten jaded to the idea because the Guardians got hit no hit like five times in one season? Is that like I'm not even humiliated right, but, by like, it? I'm like, it just happens? We're not, you're not the hardcore, hardcore Guardians fan. I like, watch you, every game. Well, I watched every you, game for seven years. But I'm saying, like, you're not a fan that has been vested for years and years and years people that have lived their life being a fan, like, they don't want to see that. Uh, like, I, I think I they would choose the fandom over the history. There's no way they want to see their team beat. But. I literally feel like the only way that's somewhat acceptable to root against your team in any way, shape, or form is if yeah. you want change to be made with a head coach or something like that. Your <laughs> team's already bad enough, and the only way that guy's getting fired is just to be a total tank job. Right. And then, then I could see it. Yeah, I'm not rooting for the three grand slams. I'm rooting for the no-hitter. Like, the only history Perfect. I'm going to the park to root for is if there's a home run champion to set a new record like Barry Bonds did. And even then, I'm hoping my team still wins. But so you do I have a line. Run. You do have a line that you well, would go to. That doesn't necessarily mean you lose the game. Like, you could still win the game in that. Oh, happened. I remember going to Sosa versus Maguire as a young child. I went to a lot of Sosa versus Maguire games. And I remember thinking to myself, I remember thinking, well, Maguire hits number 60. At least I'll be there to see number 60. First of all, I'm going to push back and call JP out. I don't think there's any way he's watched every game the last seven years. If he's watched every game the last seven years, then he deserves a uh, John Adams-like plaque on his couch at home that says, here sits the man who's watched every game the last seven years. There's just no way. There's just no way. I know he works the night show, so he has it on studio quite a bit. But there's definitely at some point over the last seven years where he was like out at dinner and didn't have the game on, or he had a couple weddings he went to recently. Like, he wasn't watching it those nights. There's just no way. Anyway, the main point of hand here is that I do agree with Jonathan on the fact that if you're in a situation where you can see history, and he brought up Sosa versus McGuire and the home run chase, and that must have been really, really cool back in the day. I can't ever claim to see something like that. But if you get a chance to see a no-hitter, yeah, I would throw my phantom out the window to see the Red Sox, for example, get no-hit. I would, unless it was against the Yankees, then no chance. If it's your biggest rival, maybe you don't want to see it. But if it's a historic moment like that and you can say you were there for it, sure, sure. I'll cheer for history over my team in that very specific situation. But again, not if it's the Yankees, never the Yankees. All right, now we go to the midday show. Matt Derry was in for the guys alongside Dan Menigan, of course. And they talked about Kenny Pickett. There's nothing wrong with thinking Kenny Pickett's going to be a good quarterback in this right. league. But again, to say, oh, Deshaun Watson's the worst quarterback in the sport, uh, in the division, well, that means that already Nick Wright, after one year of Kenny Pickett, who, by the way, was in a bad quarterback draft, right? Has anybody watched Matt Corral try to play for Carolina as a backup? It's a joke. Sam Hall, we're going to find out about. But like, Oh, gosh, Kenny- Malik Willis was a train wreck with the a- Titans. Oh, atrocious, atrocious. Pickett's not bad. Don't get me wrong, but he's not as good as Watson. And, and yes, Deshaun is coming back from a, a circumstance and a situation that is pretty unprecedented in the league. And like you said before, Dan, you weren't impressed with what you saw in six games last year. Neither was I to an extent. But again, now he's got a full training camp. He knows he's going to play. The mindset's different. But Deshaun Watson's been to three Pro Bowls. He's 27, 28 years old. Kenny Pickett's been, has played one season. 
He had a really nice game uh, in prime time at the end of the season last year where people went, oh my gosh, look at Kenny Pickett. And now people are going crazy on the hype train. I think we got to pump the brakes that a little bit. Very level-headed response from Matt Derry, and I'm right there with him. That's been my point all along. I'm not saying Kenny Pickett can't be a good quarterback. I don't think he's ever going to be a great quarterback, but he can be good. I'm just not going to sit here and salivate at the mouth over him because he plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we think that team is going to be really good. No, all of a sudden I think he's going to be an MVP candidate. Like, no. Do I think he's better than Deshaun Watson? Absolutely not. Do I think he's the... If you're ranking the quarterbacks in the division, he's at the bottom for me. And I'm not going to sit here and use one year of tape where, yeah, he played good down the stretch of the season or better down the stretch of the season as my end-all, be-all for what Kenny Pickett's going to be. I can't do it. I never will. I have much more film on Deshaun Watson to go off of than him. And I think if you're you're being irresponsible, if that's, if that's where you're at with Kenny Pickett, in my mind. So sorry to uh, Nick Wright. But this was the one thing that we did. Dis- I, dis- I disagree with him. I, I, don't, I didn't care about his take about the Browns, but I did think he's completely wrong and just saying blanketly Deshaun Watts is the worst quarterback in the division. He's just drinking the Kool-Aid that everyone's drinking on Kenny Pickett at the moment. We go back to the afternoon show. JP again filling in. And when it comes to drafting kickers, JP and I, uh, we saw an eye on the Browns' thought process there. Uh, me, yell at me, so I think that's great. Here's where I thought the process worked, and here's why I didn't hate the process when it came to Cade York, okay? Can we just give me a... Let's give me a chance on this one, okay? Evan McPherson in the fifth round is why that all went down the way that it did. Evan McPherson was 15 of 15 in the the year the Bengals ended up going to the postseason. Go back and look at that Titans game. He single-handedly beat the one-seeded Titans. Now, Tannehill threw three interceptions, and that helped. But they scored 19 points in that game. A lot of it was field goals, right? Like they, I think it was five for five in that game, something insane like that. They won with that leg last year, AFC title game. Chiefs don't beat the Bengals if not for the fourth quarter kick by their kicker. And if you go through and you look at it in the AFC, where games are going to be as close as they ever have been, you have no room for error. Last year, through 14 weeks of the season, okay, 14 weeks last year, I didn't go all 17. I stopped at 14 because we didn't have 17 year, uh, 17 game seasons prior, right? The NFL had 92 games decided by six points or fewer, which was the most through 14 weeks in NFL history. I didn't go through to the end of the season since there's 17 weeks, obviously, as I mentioned. But the NFL's games are closer than they've ever been. Scoring average in the NFL was down almost three whole points from two years ago. These games are razor thin is the point. I'm like Sam Hinkie back in uh, uh, seven years ago with, with the 76ers. It's not the result that I'm mad about. Or I'm sorry, it's not the process that I'm mad about. It's the result that I'm mad about and I, get, I can get upset about. But honestly, when it comes to Cade York, Browns did what they had to do. I was in the same boat. I was okay with the Browns drafting a kicker. I was okay with them taking a chance on a guy that they thought was talented and had a, had a I mean, just a booming leg. It didn't work out. I can live with the results as long as you got it resolved. That's what I said earlier in the show. We can move on and move past bad picks because this team and this franchise have done it time and time again. I can't blame them for trying. It didn't work out. Okay, you cut your losses. If you win and if your kicker's hitting his kicks, then all is fine. All is well that ends. All is well that ends well. That's the way I view it. And lastly. 
We go back to the morning show. Ken ended the show with a bit of a bang here, talking about a scenario that he hopes doesn't ever have to play out if DTR takes over for Deshaun Watson. They're going to be used against me. I'm not going to say it. I, have I the can't sheet. do it. I can I can't, cover the camera. No, I can't do it. I'm not going to say it. I want to say it. I'm not can, saying it. Can, I've no, got a surefired ne- way mind. that this will not never get out mind. on the internet. Don't cover the camera. You're not sure Dustin Fox. way that this Don't will not get out on the internet. What? Get ready to say your truth right now. No. You can't play it. It's copyrighted music. Can't put it on the internet. Let's go. Let's say your truth right now. <laughs> Michael's talking. I can't do this. Say your truth. No. Say your truth. Say your truth. Say your truth. God help me for what I'm about to say. There would be... No, I'm not saying it! Say it. Say it right now. There There would be part of me that would be not so upset... If Dorian Thompson Robinson wasn't that good, so I wouldn't have to deal with the controversy. I'm tired of looking for a quarterback. I'm so damn sick and tired. If so, I sound like Terry Funk right now. I'm so tired of it. If he were to go down, if Deshaun Watson were to go down, and Dorian Thompson Robinson goes out there and does very well, I'll be happy that they win, but I'm going to be terrified. Every win is going to come with very complex feelings because I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen, and I don't want it to happen. I don't want it to happen. Don't do it. No. Hey, don't you put this on 92.3. I'm serious. Don't you do it. I tried to cover it. Andy, I'll bring you the clean version later. Andy, don't do it. it Don't you do it. We will dub it. How about that for a take? If DTR has to come in and step in for Deshaun Watson, Ken, hmm. Mm. He'd be happy the Browns are winning, but he doesn't want to take on the controversy. Honestly, I see where he's coming from. Let's talk about it on the other side. Also, your calls, your tweets on deal breakers that would prevent you from dating somebody or marrying somebody. We'll get to all those and the take that Ken had there that we just played in the fan focus next on the fan.